Bad boy. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You are now tuned in to the Flyest Sports and Entertainment Podcast in all the land. This is Stat Lines Matter. My name is Mark Stewart, and I'm here with my partner, as always, Mr. Rob Hunter Jr. How you doing, brother? What's up, everybody? Look at my print shirt. Oh, that's why we were talking about Under the Cherry Moon, because you rock. I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. It's Christopher Tracy. For all those are Christopher Tracy. Don't try to act like people know what the character's name was. Nobody saw that film. I think a lot of people saw that Nobody film. saw and that film. And they know the song, Christopher Tracy Parade. Prince fans know that. We were talking before we started rolling uh, how horrible that movie it was. Wasn't, it and wasn't I, it was horrible. Ho- it was a horrible, it's first of all, it was a horrible it's film. Not horrible. It's not horrible. And I'm a Prince fan. Are you even allowed to talk me while we on the air? Is that, I'm, I'm allowed talking <laughs> Christopher Tracy. Like, I'm not allowed, you know, unless you wrote that motherfucker. Like, I'm, <laughs> did you produce and write that thing? I, no, but I, I have a I have an organic connectivity towards the project. We all love Prince, and I love the album. I made the point before: is the movie was so bad it actually well, so drugged. You don't get to just declaratively say it, that. No, I'm declarative. I'm gonna say it, and I'm gonna say it drugged down what was a really good soundtrack. It was an excellent soundtrack. The, the soundtrack was amazing. The movie, but the movie was, drug was, it the to the ground. Avant garde. The movie was avant garde, and people went to it expecting to see Purple Rain, and they got something different. Just the way that Prince will do it. You can go there expecting him to do do Purple Rain, and he won't do it for seven shows. That's true. But let's not act like Purple Rain was some masterpiece. Purple Rain was a a, a bad movie that was that was linked together and chained together with some amazing concert. Purple performances. Rain was a masterpiece because of the concert performances. And, and they were in there. You don't don't just get to take those out. And no, Francis I'm not taking L, them out. Francis L did a good job, and Prince's mom did a good job crying on the curb. Yeah, but what they were asked to say in Prince's below average screenplay was not up to the par for for what is it, Clarence Weather, Clarence Williams the third, Clarence Williams, uh, who's a, a a fine actor by his own part. But when Prince writes your dialogue. It's all bad. Don't I keep the heat on? Don't I keep the heat on? Is like words that should never be used. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, because you don't really supposed to. Get yeah, who's credit. celebrating like, like keeping the heat on? Yeah, you don't get to like give your wife the business because you keep the heat on. Especially that's in the Minneapolis. Bare, that's like, the bare minimum. Like yeah, Minneapolis. Yeah, the failure to yeah. keep the heat on is like you're an asshole. It means death for everybody. Yeah, you Come can't on, survive in Minneapolis without the heat. Hey, man, please. <laughs> anyway, I. <laughs> Don't I keep the heat on? Terrible. What you, what, if I wasn't living here, you wouldn't have the heat on. And don't start at me. Prince is amazing. He's my favorite. But no, we not we not stamping under the cherry moon. Not and today. then he came in. How he, how you how how mad can you actually look coming in the house with high heels on, looking for your daddy? <laughs> yeah, what you gonna do? Where are you? Yeah. <laughs> like I'll be like, I'm right here. Answer me, motherfucker. <laughs> Come on, stop stop playing with me. Stop it's playing with me. Perm out that his head. Hey, listen, the one the one thing I will say in uh You gonna in, be crying like your mama, you keep on. <laughs> under the cherry moon. Wow. And I know you got a show later on. <laughs> uh, the uh, the under the cherry moon, the only good part was the record store part. That was funny. The record store part record was amazing. Record store part was funny. And then the the, the performance record style. Uh, um <laughs> Uh, that was it. That was it. Was Holding your hand was great. I mean, Another the song level. is. Yeah, yeah, the song is crazy. It was great. It's and, great soundtrack. Yeah, man, Christopher Tracy. And then they had all my man from the daggone uh, uh, Victor Maitland. Yeah, but it was a waste of Victor's talent. It wasn't a waste, man. They, they and they played two playboys out there doing their thing. Wasn't it in the south of France somewhere? Nobody knows. Nobody saw it. Hey, comment <laughs> under this. Let me know. Let y'all like, know. Like, for real, if the there's prince, ten people who saw the 
<laughs> Under the cherry moon, yeah, I'll be shot. Somebody should check uh see what that box office was real quick before we get hey, off. Nah, that is not a true reflection. It is a true uh, reflection. Don't nobody check I'm that. Standing, Y'all don't need, that's standing, not even important to I'm standing argument. by nobody saw that film. Don't nobody check it. I, I forbid anybody to check it. We don't need to do that. Why? Right, just let important. it be. Why don't you check it? Because everything is about stats. Everything is about stats. This, 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 <laughs> this whole thing is about stats. stats. That thing did ten million dollars at it, the box but office. It, it cost it cost uh, ninety grand to make. <laughs> that you didn't have to tell me. No, I don't know how much it cost. <laughs> I think I think I think NBA Young Boy. Had a video on YouTube that made more than 10, 10 million dollars. Like Master P, I got the hookup. Yeah, made more than ten million. Anywho, let me ask you this: Did you happen to see uh, or hear? Um, it was a couple days ago now, but uh, Kanye West, uh, who is a um, topic on the show quite a bit, was riding around. I guess it was L.A. trying to find his daughter's birthday party now let me start out by saying this let me let me just kind of frame this a little bit i am not the person to i think wives and families are off limits for the most part when it comes to general discussion you know particularly for like the form that this is but when everybody's a public figure mom's a public figure dad's a public figure and then you go on instagram live to share your story, it you're inviting people to discuss it. So we're going to discuss it a little bit. Okay. For some reason that I don't know, because I'm not part of this equation, they didn't want to tell him where the daughter's birthday party was. Sounds like a lot of black dudes on in Fulton County sometimes. My baby mama playing with me. <laughs> Clearly that was happening. And it turned out, according to Kanye, that it was Travis Scott who hit him up and said, this is where the party at. That's right. What on earth? Well, look, <laughs> I, I, at first I thought it was weird. At first I was like, I mean, you on social, but like it would, it would, it would be weird if he only had 200 followers. If you trying to find direction someplace, you know what I'm saying? You got 10 million followers. That's not a bad place to look. If I'm looking for a Thai fusion restaurant, and I don't know, and I, and I got 10 million followers, I may go on and say, hey, y'all know where a good top fusion restaurant at? And I, you know. That's not got, what he was doing, though. But, oh, exactly, but he needed directions. He needed to find No, out no, no, he wasn't, was he wasn't asking, he wasn't asking his he fans for no directions. Address. What he was he saying no was, address. no, let me, let me, let me at least reset this. He was going on to say that what he was trying to do was control the narrative. He exactly. was there. He was there for PR. He, he wasn't would, there. He, would he was there for PR. Yeah, but yeah, but but he wouldn't been no PR if Kim just wanted to send him the address. So then, doesn't that like like at least in my brain? I, mean, I don't know if yours works this way or if anybody else's out there works this way, but mine does. Is what do you? If you're a billionaire celebrity father, you're maybe the one of the most important creators of modern times. What would you have to do or be capable of or have previously threatened in order to get uninvited to a birthday party that I'm sure lots of people were at? Like, that's the question that I have, Yay, is what did you do or what sort of environment was created to make them go, let's not do it at our beautiful palatial 
estate where we live. Let's go somewhere else that he don't know. You're running from him like you trying to take the baby mama and not go to this Chuck E. Cheese. We go into the Chuck E. Cheese in the next town. Like <laughs> Sometimes the baby mama can be a little bit vindictive. And you, so we don't know. We don't know that. And I'll say this. How are you going to not let him come to the birthday party? Which he ended up coming to, which by all, by all you know the footage that has come out looked like it went swimmingly, but you gonna show up to Atlanta to all his you know album release parties, his listening party, Atlanta, you in Chicago, you you basically are helicoptering in the kids and to all of his album release parties, but when it comes time for the birthday party, you ain't gonna get a man the address, so he trying to come, he trying to put you could pull up, but he can't pull up to the birthday party. But see, I actually think that's more damning. On his part, because what it shows on Kim and her family's part is that they were embracing the idea of the co of co-parenting. And so it asked herself the question: Was the fact that she was dating again did that change? Because he I certainly think. certainly threatened to uh, to beat Pete Davidson's ass in the in the in the track that he put out. Hey, which 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 is pretty funny to me because I think you know if 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 she was dating. And Dominic and Sue. Yeah, he ain't saying that. He would say that. I'm a, I'm a come yeah. over and yeah, not you beat know. your ass. And then, and then, and Kanye, just be careful now. I don't know if Pete is on that stuff, but he looked like it. And meth strength is a different type of strength, just in case. So don't be don't rope, don't pull up on him if he look kind of geeked up. That's all, because you don't want to get your ass beat by the new guy and he a white boy. I'm just saying it's a bad look from a from a PR standpoint. I ain't saying white people can't beat up black people. I'm just saying it don't happen that often. Nah, I mean, listen, I, I don't know what happened, and, and we probably don't have to do much other than stay on Instagram because Kanye will probably get on there and tell us. I would say this. My suggestion to Kanye is try to keep your business, like particularly with your 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 uh, your ex-wife and your kids, for their sake and for your kids' sake, try to keep that stuff off of uh, social media because it, it wasn't Kim and her family that – went to the press and was like, yeah, we keeping it. But you know, they the said thing. uh Callie was the one that told uh they met him at the front and told uh security to stand down. Well because what they probably didn't want at that try moment try to absolutely avoid the scene, especially in front of the kids and, well, and, and, why the, Pete and the party that? goers. You don't need to be that ain't your daughter. Well that's I, a little so that's a little soon for you to be coming to the Look man, you know how <laughs> like, listen, what is that? I listen, I've been like, with the I same just person. With a chick for, for like, you know, a month or two, I ain't finna come to the baby birthday. I mean, that's a little weird, especially when the daddy want to come like, y'all got that. Just holler at me when he leaves. People get very selective when they start talking about the rules of engagement with babies, mothers. And hey, but shout out to Pete, though, for, 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 for you know, taking on four kids. You know what I'm saying? Well, who, I mean, they just dating it. Whatever they was he taking say, on. But yeah, but when you showing up to the baby birthday. You make, he, like, you make like he seemed like he. If you dating something. Bringing them sneakers you, and whatnot. If you dating a new woman for six weeks and you show up to the baby birthday party with her four kids, that's a little more than that. Man, you make it sound like they was going to the Chuck E. Cheese. They were having an extravaganza. They, that was just to get to. That was an event. went to at her house or wherever. Yeah, but they live on acres, and they have square footage up the like, yin game. Who you going to see? Did my new chick. She got any kids? Four. You know in L.A., kids' birthday parties are not kids' birthday parties. They are events for the parents that like happen to be folk. there. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. He wasn't going to, they wasn't going to Chuck E. Cheese like he up there cutting the cake and so riding the rides. What I'm saying, these four <laughs> kids that's Kanye, they looking at him like, this finna be our new daddy? I hope not. I hope, I don't, I, is that a, they don't is, let Breaking Bad be our new daddy? I don't think that's what they doing anyways. Um, <laughs> man, I hope, I hope that that's not the dynamic. Are you my new daddy? Hey, hey, and Pete, I'm not saying you own meth. You just look like it. So if I ever meet you in person, and you I think he has. Meth, I think he has a condition. 
What's the condition? I don't know, but I don't think he has a condition. Just a random, just a method. He's, he's not on meth. Like he's not. Oh, he's no. not <laughs> because I think he has a condition. It's methy. No, he. I think he's ill. What's wrong with him? I don't know. All right, so wait a minute. Is he on TV still or no? Yeah, you could be ill and on TV. I'm just saying. So he's managing. He's, he's managing. He's function. Like there's lots of people who are managing autoimmune <laughs> and all that type of stuff, and that are on television. Well, hey, well, well, you know, I mean, from what I understand, the Kardashians are pretty. They help folks get through stuff. You know what I'm saying? Shout yeah. out to Lamar Odom. <laughs> you know what I mean? They help you manage some. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just saying. Hey, look, he looked methy. If you are on meth, maybe they can help you I'm, get off. I'm almost. They have. I can almost guarantee you he's not on meth. You going okay? Yes, right. I can almost get. Well, hey Pete, sorry if you ain't on meth. My apologies, and if I meet you and you ain't on meth, I apologize. But if you are on meth and you really truthfully on meth, I won't tell nobody. <laughs> Shout out to meth. Shout out to, to um. <laughs> so um, I want to. Well, actually, I want to introduce. Is actually an uh, an idea that you came up with because obviously our show is named Stat Lines Matter. And we, you know, a lot of times when we're having conversations offline, we're talking about things that matter, things that don't, you know, does this matter? Does that matter? So we would decide to bring that segment into the show of does this matter? Do and it matter? That was the way you would say. I would say, does this matter? That's because you got better education than me. I actually don't. I'm pretty sure you got farther in your education. I graduated in summer school. So did I. Oh, we tied. Yeah. What was your GPA? Like a one point two five. I got you beat, Bob. I graduated one point three three. So my wife didn't believe that I graduated with a one point. <laughs> she was like, "No way, no." And I showed her, and she just couldn't believe she married somebody that stupid. No, you know what's funny though? I I graduated in the summer with a one point three three and still nice. got accepted into a college. So I'm saying you got me beat. I went, but I didn't go to college. I enrolled. But I got accepted to community college, and I was still in remedial courses at the at the at the at the, at the community college. Now let me ask you this: Were you remedial? Were you in remedial coursework because you were remedial? And would you even admit that to me right now? Oh, that's. Or a would good you question. admit? Are you remedial? That's actually a good question. Um, if okay, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Keep I, it a buck. Are I, you remedial? Yeah, probably. Really? I think I could be remedial. Like, like um, you could be dyslexic or something, but like, I mean, you like legitimately have problems. Like, you it, you have an inability to learn. Uh, like you mad slow, son. Yeah, I think. Oh, okay, okay. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing with with the with the learning thing. Okay, is that I you know I just never I always thought that they how hard is it for you to teach me something that you've been going through every. Every every you got the same right. You got the answers. Oh, you whole, got the answers the whole time. Yeah. So I just felt like I just felt like the the learning, it was antiquated, like like the classroom setting. How would you like to be taught? If like if somebody came in and said, "I want to teach you about such and such," what's the best way for you to learn? Interactive. Like I want I want like don't I, don't tell me about the rocket fuel show. I want the you know I want to the rocket fuel. Throw the rocket fuel on me. Yeah yeah yeah. You know. Uh, that's <laughs> That's the best way. But as far as, no, honestly, if, if I, I think that here, here's what oh, I... Oh, did you just not apply yourself? That's I, the real question. I didn't apply myself, yeah. and I also think that I had a bit of a, a hyper... hyper. Uh, yeah, like a tension. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Because when I found something disinteresting or boring, I just was like, Checked out. terrible. And then I honestly thought I was the smartest person in the room all the time. Like, I honestly thought... Did I you thought say was, that in past tense? Because I would... 
argue that. I would say that oh, in present tense. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that right now. I learned Nothing's later changed. in life that I'm most <laughs> most time definitely not the smartest person in the room. But I felt if like you're the smartest person in the room you all the time, you're in the wrong you room. Find a new room. Yeah. So so so, but yeah, I I just I I oh and lack of discipline in the home, you know. So I, yeah, so you really single parent. Family. So you it wasn't really my mom's fault. It wasn't yeah. her fault. It was just it was circumstances. Parent. Yeah, yeah. That that's kind of the same situation with me. I wasn't remedial in any sense. I had a lot of advanced you courses. Your glasses, you couldn't be. No, well, I didn't have these. People, then. people that's remedial don't wear frames like that. Yeah, but that had nothing to do with these frames. Like I was, I didn't even wear glasses back in the day. I didn't glasses until I was like my forties. Really? Yeah. Okay. But no, I think back in those days. um, I just didn't, I didn't care enough. I didn't apply myself. It didn't, it didn't matter to me. I had a lot of advanced courses. Um, Man, no, I had remedial in high school. Yeah, I see, might I be never, remedial for real. You, so you might be mad slow, son. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like now I'm trying <laughs> to think of like, I might, yeah, damn, I'm getting you, But you know, you know how I switched, to, you know how I knew it was something interesting about me because I took a year off of school when I graduated high school. I graduated in the summer. And then I think not a whole year, but like maybe like six to nine months later, I took the uh, the ACT and I crushed it. And that's what there was my test scores and a essay that I wrote that got me accepted into college. But I would have walked in had I gone to that school, I'd have walked in immediately on probation. See, I, I would have been I would have walked in on academic probation. I took the ACT and I scored one of the lowest scores <laughs> in the history of the. T- of the that's real. That's a true story. How does how does that even happen? Okay, so apparently you're supposed to study for the ACT. Yes. I didn't know that because I never studied for any of my tests. So, like, I got the book for the ACT like a week before. Yeah. And I studied probably all of about 72 minutes. You know, like a little 10 minute, you know, this day, 15 minute, this day. And I I mostly just went over the vocabulary words because it was just easier to do because they had the little cards. Yeah. I was like, this part I'm going to do well on. And then the rest, you know, I mean, I'll figure it out. And wow, uh, that didn't happen. That my plan. uh, It all went down after that. It didn't work. Yeah. So 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 it's a miracle that I'm sitting next to you and me next to you. Because <laughs> when you normally, when you come from a single parent home, which I did, uh, and you graduate with a one point three three, it usually goes very differently. Yeah, yeah. I supposed to be, I supposed to be, uh, you know, through talking through a, a plate glass. Exactly. Hi, how's the baby? <laughs> mm-hmm. And mama, them, mama, mama, you used to go and see mama. <laughs> did she give you the money? That I told. Her? Yeah. She gave you that money because I, I ain't never get it. Yo, <laughs> facts. Um, tell us about this segment. Um, does it matter? So basically, does it matter? Is just you know, uh, is, is, I, I'm gonna ask you to pose a question. Okay, and then I'm gonna pose you one, but you're gonna go you're first. Pose me one. Okay. okay. And then you know, I'm based on the set of circumstances. I'm like, yo, is there something substantive there, or there, there or or does it matter? Yeah. So all right, let's get into it. I'm, right, so, you know so, me, I'm down. I'm down for all this kind of stuff. All right. So the first one, the first one is uh, with the Lakers beating utah the other night i believe they won the the west last year uh they currently i think sit fifth fourth or fifth in the in the playoff picture they beat a fully healthy utah squad the lakers are still trying to find their footing (laughs) all season but without ad so with basically a hobbled uh la squad and a fully healthy uh utah squad do you think that that's a substantive win that could be 
the the jumping off point for something like does it matter that they beat Utah or is it just a blip in January? Do you do you want you want me to answer that? I want you to answer. Yes. No. Okay. Why not? Um. So it don't matter. I don't think it matters at all. Um. It's a game in January, mid January. It was on a uh on a Tuesday. What if it was on a Friday? Friday games do mean more. <laughs> a little bit more lit. People date night. Then on a Tuesday, not so much. Okay. Um, All right. okay. <laughs> no, listen, I don't I, I thought about this a little bit, and here here's why I'm saying what I'm saying. Um one, on a sort of generic level, it was a it was a home win. Uh Lakers won at home. So it's not I think I would have been more impressed had they gone to Salt Lake and got that win. Roll wins are more impressive. Yeah. Um I think two, although they were um, healthy, Donovan Mitchell was banged up. He had a, a back, uh, and and then in that game, I think he hurt his knee. So he's kind of playing through some injuries, and he didn't shoot the ball very well that night. Um, and I think as it as you project this uh, for the season, I think you have to look at a couple of key things. Uh, one, I think when it's all said and done, the the three most important players on the Lakers who get the most usage, who have the ball in their hands the most. LeBron, uh, Westbrook, and AD when he comes back. Uh, LeBron shooting a very, I think a very impressive uh, 36% from three-point line for the season. I know he's in a in a clip right now that's it's, it's trending a little higher than that, but for the season over the 44 games, and I don't know how many of those he's played in, but over the 44 games, He's uh, shooting 36%. I think that's impressive for him because I think he's shooting about eight a game. Um, Westbrook shoots about five a game. He's shooting 29%. That's not and, and AD, uh, although he's down to about two a game, he's shooting like 18%. Like a career low, yeah. Yeah. He, so he's not shooting as much from the three, but he's not shooting the three well at all. When you compare that to, and for the purpose of this comparison, I've compared that to, Utah, who they just played, and then the two top teams, Golden State and, and Phoenix. Um, those same three players on those teams uh, shoot on Phoenix, they shoot 37%, the three of those guys. Uh, on um, Utah, they shoot 39%. And those three guys, I had to do a little bit of a projection for Clay. Clay's last season, he shot forty percent from three. So I plugged that in. Going to be much lower than that if he. Yeah, and and even right now in a small window, he's shooting thirty, almost thirty-seven percent. Even and this is what I'm trying to get his legs and whatnot back, right? So I think the ultimate difference in terms of like what does this mean is like they the problems like AD coming back full strength doesn't change the flaws in this team. The guys who are playing the most minutes, the guys who are starting, the guys who have the most usage don't shoot all that well. And that's what LeBron shooting more threes and about a little bit, a little bit better than he has in his career. But those other guys are still struggling. Also, the Lakers are, I want to say at the in the bottom five in turnovers. And the only other team They've been improving though exponentially over yeah. the past probably ten games. But yeah, they were the worst in the league. They're not the worst now and not in this yeah, moment, but they're like yeah. in the like bottom five. The team that's second to the bottom is actually Golden State, but Golden State I think offsets that by being the number one defensive team. Would not have guessed that. Yeah, the, the second most turnovers in the game is Golden State. 
But it has a lot to do with their ball movement and the way, like... Okay, part two to the question. Then. So, so I'm just saying, overall, I don't know if it means as much because the flaws that are on the team are not going to get solved okay. by AD coming back. Okay, with that being the foundation, if they somehow right the ship and LeBron wins his fifth ring, would that make him the GOAT in your eyes? No. If he wins back-to-back -back and he gets six, would that make him the GOAT in your eyes? If he gets six rings, with, with, that would make six wins and 12 appearances? Correct. Then we could have a conversation. We could have a conversation. And when he gets seven, then I'll shut up. Okay. All right. But but no, but no, nothing – but given that the, the, the Lakers are damned for the 2021-22 season, if he somehow was able to rally the troops. No. I, well, that, well that, damn, that, damned that, is the word you would choose. I wouldn't say you, damned. you basically saying there ain't no way. Well, well, Give to me, composition of the team, because I think, well, no, I don't think there's no way they win a championship, but that doesn't mean, saying. but that doesn't mean the seasons for not. Well, what? Okay, so if you look at normally, right, Westbrook has always been the uh, the, uh, the, the 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 um, the square peg in a round hole, right? Yeah, always been that. Wherever he's gone outside of obviously OKC, because he's he started there. So in Houston, he was that. In Washington, he was that. And now he's that with the Lakers. But if you think so, I was thinking about this just a little bit, and this is just obviously purely conjecture. But if they're able to find a way to make it work with him, because I think AD coming in is an easier piece to fit if Westbrook is, has found his sea legs inside of the the the, the Laker uh, rotation to start in five. He's able to find his game and something that is uh, something that obviously uh, is conducive to wins as opposed to what we've obviously talked about which mm -hmm. has not been he's been one of the main reasons they've been losing if mm -hmm. not the main reason yeah um so you know if if he's able to find you know that some some sort of uh measure of of uh, synergy ad coming in is is not necessarily the, the, the piece that you have to fit because he fits pretty pretty easy in in on most teams uh i think that that could be the start of something that's why i thought the utah win was particularly interesting more i remember i talked to you about the indianapolis win in overtime some weeks ago but the Utah win is to me is a little more substantive, just simply because they were hobbled and, and Utah had their starting five. Yo, I think I think, and, and I answered the question from the perspective. Yeah, yeah. I answered the question from, from the perspective of I just the larger conversation. I think anytime you get a win over a top team, it's not insignificant. I'm not. I don't want to go the other way and de-emphasize the importance of getting a win for a team that needs a win. Like they needed a win, they need to. They need, and particularly, they needed a win against a quality opponent. So, which they finally got. Which they finally got yeah. because they haven't had many of those right this year. In fact, they've had some bad losses to bad teams. Exactly. So, you know, the, the loss right before that, right, was was a was a bad. Loss. And then they got their doors blown off by Memphis. I think the game before that. Yeah. So, I'm not. So it's significant to that point. Memphis, Memphis is balling. But let me say this, and here's here's the second part to, and I want to move on to the next question. Okay. But here's the bigger problem for the Lakers, is that where they're sitting right now, which is eighth, and now there's a bunch, there's a group, you know, six, seven, eight, or whatever. But the problem with the way things are laying out is the Lakers got to get out of the seven, eight spot. Because the seven, first of all, they don't even want to be in the play-in. Because they ain't guaranteed. They barely made it out the play-in game last year. They don't want to be in a play-in game this year with Minnesota, who can can bite you on a night. 
the Clippers getting guys back, if they get Kawhi back, they're right there. If you're in that 7-8 spot and let's say you get through the play-in, whether you get Golden State, Phoenix, it's one and done. It's yeah. just a question of how fast. Yeah. At that point, I don't care if you're fully healthy. I don't care if Magic come back. I don't care if Kareem come out. Like it's one, it's one and done. If you're in seven or eight, then the problem is you got to get to, you got to really get to four or five, because now you're in the so Denver, yeah. Utah. Because you don't even want Memphis. Yeah, you, you, at three. Yeah, and you don't. I, I don't think you want to be playing Denver. Not with Jamal on, coming back. Going on the road. Exactly. Up there and that thin ass hell. I think with the, the weed mixed in it. I think that's the biggest problem. And then if you talk about championship possibilities. If you in that eight spot, or let's say, let's say, let's say you get to that four or five, right? And you're in the Dallas, Denver, Utah area. You get through that and your reward for that is either the Golden State or or or, or Phoenix. So either you catching them in the first round or the second round. It's going to be difficult for them to make it through. Not because they might not be hot. They might be they might be hot. But when you get in the playoffs, it's hard to get through those teams. Those teams are good, and they'll be well lathered up we'll, at that point. Well, we'll have to let it all play out. Well, yeah, because the one thing we know through COVID and through uh, this particular year with injuries is like things can end up a certain way. But the reality of it is, whether it's through injuries or through COVID, you got to get out there and play. And right now, there are 22 and 22 basketball teams through 44 games. So we've seen... We're on the other side now. We've seen more yeah. than half the season. We got a sample size. I think they are who I think they are. Um, now, I think everybody's sort of anticipating them ripping off a six out of eight or eight out of ten. Like I, I wouldn't be. They're waiting for. It. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Yeah, they're waiting for. But it. I also wouldn't be surprised if this is a forty-one and forty-one basketball team at the end of the season or forty-two and forty basketball team. Well, I mean, that's what we've seen. The yeah. only and it's always been this caveat, right? You know, oh well. When they get healthy, when they're all on the floor, uh, but I'm starting to lean a little bit towards that may not happen just because with COVID, like you said, and given AD, AD was fairly healthy throughout the whole season. Then first round, you know what I mean? He yeah, and he doesn't seem like a guy that plays through injuries. The, the only way guy G- that's gonna be there is Westbrook. He don't never be hurt, and he need to take some time. Yeah, he need to just because yo, that he I ain't gonna lie, he <laughs> he he mashed on on Gobert. But then the thing I was tripping on is like the Laker fans and the bench and 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 Westbrook, they went up like they had just won game seven of the finals. Like, are things that are things that bad hey, that in LA? Crazy. That dunk was crazy. The dunk was crazy, dunk. but it was hey, like make sure y'all put that in in this segment, right? But <laughs> the dunk was crazy, but I feel like and they, I think Russ needed that. But I feel like they was ready to stop the game and like low key, when and like, in the locker room, they'd be like, oh. Listen, it ain't never been an issue with what with Russ Duncan. The issue is always going to be taking care of the ball. Yeah, the but problem you said with he that can't team finish at the rim no more like that. He dunked on the defensive end. No, no, no. I didn't say he couldn't finish at the rim. I said he can't do it with the regularity that we see. Like from a see the thing hey, that about I think him. He heard you though. He, he may might have. That. He may have listened to that episode. The, but but. The, but the question is, can he keep doing that for the next forty something games? That's the question. All right. So here's what I got for you. What? In the does it matter? Do it matter? We back. We back to. Is it do it matter? I don't know. I think it, I like does it matter. Does it matter? Yeah. Okay, does it doesn't matter. Because stat lines matter, but does this matter? Um, Ask the question. I read yesterday that the the Brooklyn Nets, my Brooklyn Nets, well, really the Bulls are my primary team, but I like rooting for the Nets. I love KD. Um, are the first team. newfound since he joined the Golden State Warriors. I love KD in Oklahoma City. Not, 
I love, I love to be truthful. I love Katie at Texas. Oh my gosh. No, I swear to you. I called my boy Chris Hicks. Check in. I, I said this to Chris Katie Hicks. in Baltimore. No, I'm gonna tell a true story. High school. I called my man Chris Hicks when watching KD play in college. And I literally hit him up and I said, is this the greatest skill set that we've ever seen coming from a college player? I said that when he was in college. Right. So we're clear. I mean, that's a lie. It's not a lie. I'll, I'll get Chris Hicks to vouch for it. No, he lying. Because we had a, and he was like, bro, he's like, I was literally sitting here thinking the same thing. We had a full-blown conversation Never about Kate. It did Chris happen. Chris Hicks don't lie for him. Chris Hicks wouldn't lie for me. He, come on, man, straight shooter. Okay, so the question is, the, the Brooklyn Nets have been the first team, the first organization to publicly and actively go into the metaverse and to enter the metaverse. Does this matter or not? Okay, I'm going to say this about the metaverse. I have no idea what the hell the metaverse was. I'm going to say it matters only because I texted you two nights ago, mm -hmm. and I said, what are we going to do about this metaverse? Is it racism there? Should I go? <laughs> he said, you know, we need to mess with it. I said, because if it's racism now, I'm going. I stay in this verse. I stay in the universe. I ain't got to go to the metaverse. There's racism there. So, But then you said, no, it's not like that. It's about... You know, crypto and all no. I didn't say no. Let me be clear. I didn't say if it was racism or not. I'm saying yeah, but you I said don't we know need about to that. No, you said I we said need we need to, to go in because it's about getting. We got to get paid, and we don't want to be late to this. So that's this why ain't the I'm thing saying, you want to be late. To. That's why I'm saying it matters. Yeah, because you told me that it does matter. Yes. Don't worry about all that racism. Yeah, and I said yeah, all right, exactly. fine. You bringing I'm up not, old stuff. I'm not gonna worry about if you tell me don't worry about the racism. All right, I ain't gonna worry about it. Yeah. So, but no, but honestly, so I did actually. Uh, did a, you know? You looked did, into looked it. Looked a little yeah, bit, yeah. And I guess they are. They have uh, this uh, interactive experience where you can actually, you know, sit on the be, floor. Uh, but I think yes, and be yeah. in the middle of the game. Yeah. And I, and it's from a, obviously a virtual standpoint. But I think that this thing is obviously the future. But when they, when they're able to actually, because right now it looks like a video game, right? When they're actually able to get this thing looking lifelike, I think it's going to take on a whole different. Uh, uh, you know, a whole different sense of importance. Um, so, and, and 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 shout out to the NBA. The NBA is consistently the most progressive league amongst the big three. Hockey don't matter. Baseball, basketball, and football. NBA, Mike Slive, David Stern, they've always been the guys pushing the envelope forward. I mean, you got ba like, like baseball, still, they ain't even got no, no play clock. They still don't have. I think they need a pitch count. I mean, a, like uh, you think so? Yeah. The speed of the game. Can you imagine getting that ball back? But you're a baseball fan. To, why having, does the game? Why does the game speed matter to you? Well, it doesn't necessarily matter to me. Not to get off track, but, but I'd think, love to hear this. I think it would be a more exciting game if you didn't have you know a whole minute and a half to throw the next pitch. If you had like you had to throw that thing in the next like 15 seconds, I think that you know. <laughs> I mean, they get the ball back 15, 15, 14, 13. Like, you don't need all that. Hey, get the sign in. Let's go. Let's get let's get this yeah, thing going. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And then, you know, you know, obviously the infielders are ready. No, nobody's, like, you know, taking, you know, daydreaming. They're like, you got to stay on your toes and, and get this and, and get it going. I think that the baseball, if they instituted a pitch count clock. Right. I think that they would immediately see a jump in viewership. That's fair. I'll say this because I know we we vowed to never discuss baseball. So, so to answer the question, it does matter. That but we're gonna finish this baseball shit. But we, yeah, but yes, but I just <laughs> I'm coming to back to that. Yes, but go ahead. Yes. Okay, um, 
The baseball. Baseball is my first love. Like I fell in love with baseball first. So and I remember you told me, I think we I think we were very early on and uh I think it was like episode two and we talked about baseball. And he's like, Man, don't nobody like baseball, man. We ain't talking about that. <laughs> I I, I, don't, I never said that. Don't I, don't bring up the tapes. <laughs> <laughs> No, I know it wasn't on. No, 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 you didn't. No, 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 you didn't say it on camera. You didn't say it on camera. Like, no, you were like, you kind of said it to me. Then I don't think nobody cared about baseball like that. And that kind. I mean, I I knew that to be a fact. But I'll say this. I said, well, look. I said because I said remember I said give me one episode a year where we could talk baseball, and that's what we could do over the All Star break. Yeah. But we're gonna throw a little bit baseball in here. I think the problem with baseball has to do with what you said, even though the slow pace of the game doesn't bother me because I grew up loving the game. I love a four-hour baseball game, but that's just me. I have time. I don't have to really be anywhere, but, you know, more times than not. <laughs> um, so I can watch – when I watch a baseball game, I can watch a baseball game. But I think the bigger problem in baseball is just simply marketing. Like, I think there's amazing baseball players. A lot of them don't – like, baseball has an opportunity – to be what soccer is because it's a truly an international game. You have Otani who came here from Japan. You have uh, the, like, you know, the Latin American boys, you know, you got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Who's a star. You have uh, uh, my Does man. Does he use batting gloves? His daddy didn't. That's a good question. Um, what's my guy in uh, San Diego? Um, oh, shortstop. Tatis. Tatis is no, a beast. Tatis, Machado. Machado. Oh, they got the whole. You have, you have a lot of. Yeah. You have a lot of guys who English is not their first language, and they haven't figured Baseball out. Is. Yeah, and they haven't figured out how to make that work because we're no longer in that sort of Roger Maris or Mickey Mantle or like moment where the the talent is homegrown. Now and then, here's the other problem: the talent that is homegrown, like my man out in uh, Anaheim, Mike Trout. He's not very marketable. And, and and when you have the rules of the game where it's like, don't show off. We're training these kids here in America to play the game the way it's supposed to be played. So by the time you get these guys to the bigs, they don't whatever little swag they had or whatever little marketability they had has been ripped off of them by every traditional baseball uh, coach and manager that they've ever played for. Conversely, the guys that are playing in Korea, the guys that are playing in Japan, the guys that are playing in Latin America are literally playing the game with flair and style. And then when they get over here, it it goes against the grain. Correct. If they let that just go, the crowd will get younger. Now, you're going to lose some good old boys, but that's okay. Sure. They need to go find what they need to find in a less diverse environment that they're comfortable with. For me – I want diversity in the game. I like soccer. Part of the reason I like soccer is because it's international. And you have all those fields. Like, I think you need that in America. So that's my little baseball. Well, for the day. and you're right about that. I think, and I was about to say, if they take the whole right way to play the game out, if like if, if a guy hits a home run, he deserves to the, the, the flip the bat yes. as far and as, if, if, as he, many rotations in the field <laughs> sure. as possible sure. and get a chance to like to style going around the bases. And I think they need to outlaw the brushback, like the intentional brushback. Yes. Because, it, it, look, you had your shot. He beat you. Yes. So you, you should take away the 97, 98 mile per hour fastball close to the face because that could kill somebody. Absolutely. So. I think that if they take, if they add the pitch clock, and if they take out the chin music, now you got something. Now you got, now you got something that we can come on here and talk about. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Yeah. you be like, you be super lit. I mean, all the guys. You look at, look at the way that um, uh, uh, my man, uh, 
He got hurt for the Braves. My guy. Uh, oh, uh, Acuna. 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 Yeah. The type of enthusiasm. I love the way he plays. He plays the game. Ozzy Albies. Yeah. Marcelo Zuno, who didn't play this past season. These guys play with a passion and fervor for the game. That Marcel likes to hit the women. He liked to hit the baseball too. Yeah, I don't know but he likes to hit the, whatever he, he doing. He was and, hitting hey, the ladies. Marcel, if you hitting on the ladies, don't do that. Yeah, stop doing don't that. Don't hit on the ladies. You hit the baseball, not the ladies, not the females. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We we here stat lines matter against domestic abuse. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. On the, my, like the what my wife do to me, we against that. <laughs> okay. So we are we that needs to stop. Against, yeah, I almost called the number one time. Yo. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not putting there's a phone back. You know, remember the wireless phones we used to have in that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she threw one of them. It came woof. Wow. Like in slow motion. <laughs> you like? I was like, man, you know, no, I was just like, you know, I'm glad the kids didn't see that. Yo. <laughs> anyway, so I have one more. Okay. I have one more. Doesn't matter for you. Um, ben Simmons. <laughs> ben Simmons is it's Ben Simmons is still on the 76ers. Yes. It's mid-January. John Wall is still on Houston. They're both healthy. Yes. Does that matter? That he's still on the roster? That he's still a 76er. Oh, that's a good question. I Okay. Wow. Because if he gets I, traded, I, I, it can tip things depending on who he gets traded correct, to. Correct, because they were in first place at this point last season. Exactly. And they entered, you know, obviously Eastern Conference Finals as the number one seed. So obviously, and I believe they win. Check my numbers on this: sixty-four to sixty-six percent of the games. It could be higher when he starts. So they win most of their games when he's on the floor. And I think I want to say too, just quickly, that's notable, and it doesn't get discussed that much. That Philly's ability to—they were because all those teams are sort of around each other, but Brooklyn and all of them were there. And then in the last two weeks of the season last year, I want to say two, three weeks of the season, Brooklyn slid. They had been sitting in that number one spot. That probably cost them a championship mm. because they ended up against uh, the Bucks in the second round, right? And 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 they would have avoided either Philly. I think they would have had Philly easy, but they would have at least avoided uh, the Bucks to the third round. Mm-hmm. And by that time, might have had a more healthy uh, Harden, and maybe even would have had. Uh, 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 Kyrie back. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, so I, I think I think it matters in the regard that you know if if they ever get that worked out, it's a different it's a different ball. I think he's out of there. I think he's never he, going to play for them again. He's better than Maxi, and he's better than Shake Milton. He's better than those two point guards. He's better, and, and 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 not to mention the whole reason that he's out of there was because I believe he was made a scapegoat for the loss against the Hawks. I mean, you're asking your third. Your third offensive option to come up big, and no, the, just to come up. Oh, oh, but but just to come up. He didn't ask him to come up big. He had like six points. Well, well, you got. Well, but I don't think that's bigger than than Joel uh, Joel and B going. I believe three for twenty one in the in the second half of games four and five like that, and then zero for twelve in the fourth quarter in those two games. So, that's fair. So, you, but I don't think he's been scapegoated because I think we all saw him literally like not just not trying to shoot the ball, but trying not to get fouled as well. Joel Embiid was one for 10 in the fourth quarter. But he was still playing basketball. But you can't, but okay, but but Michael Jordan can't do that. No. LeBron can't do but that. But we ain't talking so about Michael Jordan. If you're the number one option, you got to, in, in games four and five, you have to hit more than one shot. But do you realize, you do realize, I, I don't have to tell you this because that sounds condescending. And what about Tobias Harris? Not to mention, I don't, don't want to sound. the third highest paid player on that team. I don't want to sound condescending. 
but they were playing four on five. He was literally trying not to shoot. He was going, I have a layup. I'm going to pass. I don't want to shoot, and I don't want to get fouled. He's a pass-first guy. I mean, not when you, I'm not a pass. I, we all are pass first guys. But, we but don't if you at the rim, first. he was at the rim. He's six ten. He was at the rim and he passed in a clutch situation. You gotta, you gotta shoot that ball. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I will say this. He now, and I was talking to a Philly fan actually during that series. Ben had to play better. Yes, you can't absolve him of that. Yeah, you know he has to play better. But I think, I think that I don't, I don't think he was the reason why they lost that series. And I think that it's a, it's a super unfortunate position for him to be in. And I don't know how you fix it. I mean, it, because they got trade him. Because if you think, but yeah, but if I'm if I'm MB or if I'm Tobias Harris, you know, those are the two guys who go. There's other guys on the team, but you can't get in a room and work that out and be like, bro, we need you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and Doc need to get in there too and be like, yeah. oh man, we, hey, let, let, let's do this. You know, you look at Brooklyn; they have a big three. You know, we can have our own version of a big yeah. three. Let's get out here, man, because they don't stand a chance of beating at least Brooklyn, right? Without no, without him, yeah, without, without particularly what he does on defense and rebounding. So, well, so if you let me ask you this question: we didn't, we didn't even, we didn't even go to talk about this. But if you're the Bulls, would you put a package together to try to get Ben? Probably not, because I believe because Ben with those shooters with DeRozan and Levine, but what you have could be nasty. Lonzo and Alex, you're gonna have to get rid of Lonzo. I think I think Lonzo. I would say Lonzo. Patrick Williams, the draft pick from last year. Yeah, yeah, from Florida. From Florida State. Florida State yeah, going to be nice, by the way. Uh, and and one and, and a rotate one maybe one other rotational player, not Caruso. I love that for the Bulls. I just you know I just think that I I think that you. I just think it's almost like the same guy, except obviously Lonzo's a better shooter. Lonzo, Lonzo, and, it's so funny. They were yeah. talking about it in the telecast the other day. I know we're like. Meandering everywhere. They're talking about in the telecast the other day. Lonzo's a willing shooter too. He's a willing shooter and a deadly shooter, and teams he's are still a, yeah. playing him with, to his old reputation. Yeah, because he's shooting seven threes a game at forty-seven percent. Here's the thing, though. I actually think that that trade would work out for both teams. I do. I think that Lonzo an asset anywhere he goes. That, right. You know, places like you know that Curry ain't. You yeah. Know what I mean, like. You know, I think he would be an asset in Atlanta, honestly. Yeah. I um, think it makes I think it makes I think Ben Simmons on the Bulls makes us a, a devastating team. And it ain't even that far. He just go down the road. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would I would love to absolutely try that. So and what did I so what did I say? Did it did it matter? Did it not matter? Like what did I what I think I it does I think what you said is that it, it matters because I think a tr- like a trade of him. I think can reshape the playoff configuration. I mean, depending healthy, on where he yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think? Okay, here's a question I have. Do you think that John Wall can be the difference maker for, you know, a team? I don't. Uh, no, I don't. Okay, I don't. And why not? Because he's healthy. I don't believe he's healthy. You, you, you know what? And you know what? Him and uh, uh, Westbrook got the, the, the contracts are about the same. So like forty four million. Yeah, so they can make that trade. I, I'm not a hundred. They get him and they get Terrence Ross. The but, but but ask the question. Ask yourself the question. Why would Houston have him back? They already had him. No, that's true. No, no, no. I'm saying trade him. But what I'm saying is trade deadline coming up in February. But what what I'm saying is why would Houston take him? Why would they take Russell back? 
Yes. No, I, I thought about that. Yes. Yeah. I was just, There's literally no motivation for them to do that. Zero. Because I thought about that. I was like, well, wall, uh, buyout market, but yeah, zero. there's zero. no motivation zero. for them to do that. Yeah, zero. And, and plus, they've, they've made, they've sold out for Kevin Porter yeah. and Jalen Green and their young talent, Christian Wood, which they should. Yeah. No, I mean, you listen, it's not always popular with the fans, but sometimes tearing your team down is the best thing for you to do to get back. They got a good foundation. Yeah. Um. Now, what about oh gosh, man? What, what, no, I mean, we didn't cover Eric Gordon though. Like, you look at a guy like Eric Gordon. Like, Eric Gordon is a nice, movable piece. Yes, that, that can help a team win an actual championship. Yes, uh, you know, come playoff time. Yeah, he, he can. I mean, he can knock down the, the knock long down. ball is what you're looking for. You're definitely looking defender. for the long ball. And that, and that, going back to the original question, I still think for for anything to matter for the Lakers this year, it has to include shooting coming in. And it has to, and in order for shooting going out, and it should, yeah, and 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 it would mean somebody taking that Russell contract because that is such a part of the problem. It's an album in the way in the way he plays, and it's not just this year; it's next year too. That is not going to immediately get solved unless they just go. Maybe next year they could cut bait because he's. You can't buy out until you're in the last year of the contract, right? You know what? I don't know. I don't know what his contract. I could be wrong about that, so don't quote me. I know it's bread. No, he's making a lot of money, but it's a lot of money this year and next year. So yeah. they're I don't even think they can entertain a buyout till next season. And and when you know Gene, they're cheap. So they, they not well, because yeah, they're not they're not one of the more profitable organizations. I mean, they, they ain't gonna be profitable in L.A. with the Lakers. Like, I don't even understand. That's, that's that may be a whole other podcast. Is like yeah, how how is that one of the most valuable franchises? Not. One of the most profitable, yeah. Unless, um, unless they're cooking the books. Listen, I, we 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 obviously gone a little bit long, but I want to talk about before we get out of here, um, a really kind of serious issue and one that I know that you're passionate about and I'm passionate about, and that is we're in the time of year where coaching vacancies have become available, coaches are getting fired left and right. Now, what we pretty much had. Everybody that's going to get fired. I don't think anybody in the playoffs is going to get fired. Um, most of the teams remaining standing are in a good place with their coaches. So you have jobs that are open and you have guys that are like, you know, auditioning or, or interviewing for jobs. Um, and then there's the Rooney rule. So what I want to get into today is talk about is the Rooney rule working? Is it doing what it intended to do? Are black coaches getting a fair shake uh, out here to to coach? And because I believe certain things, I know you believe certain things, and I'm going to let you carry carry this segment because I know you're very passionate about this. Um, what do you think about the coaching situations? Who's getting an opportunity and who do you anticipate landing in one of these open spots? Well, I think that the Rooney rule is working beautifully. As you can see, and reflected by the one black coach that we have by the Rooney family. <laughs> I mean, I think I it was... Mean, it's awful. I mean, it's yeah. been a disaster. Yeah. It's been an absolute... The, the, the Rooney rule, it can't be... He can't be the only one participating. Right. We got one little sad coach, Mike Tomlin, you know, and that's it. And he ain't sad. I'm just saying reflective of the, of the whole entire league. You got one coach. And it, it, that's it, truly benefited from the Rooney, yeah, from the Rooney he, rule. And, yeah, but, but I mean, it can't and it be, wasn't even a Rooney rule when he benefited that's from right. it. That's yeah. right. And the Rooney, the, I think the Rooney rule, the other people and owners are supposed to participate. <laughs> well, they're mandated. So let's let's reset yeah. there. They're mandated 
to interview the idea of the whole Rooney rule was because the rumor has it. And obviously I wasn't there, but the rumor has it that they interviewed Tomlin. Not really thinking that he would be the coach, but they was like, let's interview this guy. He blew him away. Fast forward. He got the job and he's been one of the most successful coaches of the franchise. Yes. They interviewed a not likely candidate. And so they were like, Oh yeah, he, this guy's, he's really impressive. So the idea was for them to give opportunities to interview or to mandate that black coaches be interviewed in order to, for, from a dual purpose, to get them prepared for what these interviews are like and to maybe discover some undiscovered talent. Right. So you th- and think about how ass backwards that is, right? They had not to hire. The Rooney Rule was just to interview. So they couldn't even get... An interview. You couldn't even be sitting in the lobby with your resume with everybody else. Like, yeah. You, no, it's, it was basically only, you know, uh, it was a club. Caucasian. It was a club. Uh, candidates. Yeah. So, so the Rooney Rule is not to hire. It's to just interview. Right. You know, you can't go through your process without interviewing one uh, minority. Can- so, I, yes, I do think it's been. Uh, I'm. Mean, I, I don't think it's that. That's an opinion. It's been a disaster. I mean, you got guys like you still in the Rooney Rule age, right? You still have guys like Joe Judge getting a job in an A market, like with the Giants, when he was never even he never ran nothing. I mean, this guy was a receivers coach in a in a special teams coordinator. You know, that's it. They interviewed in 2019. They interviewed him and Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy, his first year taking over the offense, and you could say he had Mahomes. Mahomes was a de facto rookie quarterback. They had the number one offense that year, and then the next year they won the Super Bowl. So they're interviewing to give the backdrop. So they're interviewing Eric Bieniemy and Joe Judge, who was a receivers coach. Who everybody knows the problem in New England that particular year was the receivers weren't that good. So you got a guy who's coming, who's walking in with number one offense, Super Bowl MVP, and, and, and with a quarterback in his second year and a Super Bowl championship, and you got a guy that's a damn receivers coach, and you go, you know what? We gonna take, we gonna take the guy and the guy that had Tom Brady. So you're gonna take the guy that's a receivers coach, and 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 you, so. Given also the backdrop that that particular year, they drafted Daniel Jones, so essentially you would have been putting Eric Bieniemy in the same spot that he was in with Patrick Mahomes. Well, he's obviously shown the ability to develop a new quarterback. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I you. And, and, same thing with Matt Nagy. You look at Nagy when he took over the uh, he took over the um, the Titans' offense. They were twentieth. Next year they were fifth. Nagy was from Kansas. Ne- sorry, Nagy was from Kansas. City. That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, you know, and then you know, uh, Bienemy takes over, but he doesn't get the same allowances, the same, uh, you know, the, the same credit. One hundred percent. So you know, you you look at you look at these these you know blatant disregard. You look at Byron Leftwich, who's now starting to get some looks. Right. When he took over the offense in Tampa, the next year they were number one. That's with James, James Winston. Winston. Yeah. The next year they win the Super Bowl. He don't. He, he getting looks now, but he didn't get looks, looks there. And, and we yeah. took Arthur Smith last year. We took we hired Arthur, Arthur Smith from the Titans. That's mm-hmm. who I was meaning. Yeah, Arthur Smith. Yeah, Arthur Smith uh, with the Titans. I mean, a guy who had you know similar. Uh, he took over the offense. They were somewhere in the in the lower in the, uh, in the in the in the mid range, and then they were third. And that's that. This is a guy that we're 
were hiring. And he was a tight. He was only an offensive coordinator two seasons. He had coached tight ends before that. Right. And Bienemy was still out there. Coming off now, this is his third season as the uh, offensive coordinator. They had the number one offense last year. Yeah, it's um, that's the one thing, and I call this like I think, and, and guys, we're gonna be really honest about this conversation. Um, this is not about this is not an anti-white position. This is a, a position on really trying to bring light and emphasize the fact that there's some very qualified black men out here, but there's also some perception problems amongst those hiring. And in order to maintain those perception is- issues, we have the goalposts that move, in my opinion. Um, and what I mean by that is years ago when we didn't have, I remember we had Arshel, you know, I don't know if you're old enough to remember. When yeah, Arshel, Arshel was with the coaching. Raiders. Yeah. And, um, and uh, Rhodes with yeah, we had, you know, a couple guys. But they were after one season in Green Bay going eight and eight. Yeah. And there was there was always sort of this idea, well, you know, if they were more coordinators than they would, you know, that shows that you can go and and move up and get the job. And then we started seeing a lot of successful coordinators on both sides of the ball. Like let's look, let's take this year, for instance, Leslie Frazier, who has head coaching experience is the, the, yes, he has the number one defense in the league this year, uh, in Buffalo. You have, uh, you would think it would be Raheem, Quinn. You, you, you say uh, Raheem Morris. Radio Raheem. Uh, I want to say he's like five or six rated defense. You have uh, even the guy, Vance Taylor, who has uh, head coaching experience. This is y'all interviewing Byron. Yes. Uh, have head coaching experience with um, with Arizona in one – I think he had one year. No, I'm sorry, Denver in one year. as now the defensive coordinator for Arizona. They're just outside the top ten in defense as the, uh, when the year closed out. So you have these guys, these these uh, black coordinators that have had success captaining defense, and then you look on the offensive side of the ball, you have Enemy, who's uh, the offensive coordinator for the number four offense, averaging 28.1 points per game or 28.2 points per game, and you have Leftwich, which is the number two offense, at 30.1, 30.1 points per game. You, If these guys were white guys, they would be hot commodities, no questions asked. You could literally book them all in jobs right now based on their success. Sure. But when I go on message boards, when I go on Bears boards, when I go on stuff, and I, and I won't say it's everybody, it's not everybody, but it's a mixed bag. And I think I'm sensitive to the comments that come out and go, anybody but left which. And then just for, for giggles, I go, well, why? And they go, they'll just throw out something generic and go, he doesn't have any experience head coaching. Okay, Leslie Frazier does. You want him? Right. He got the number one defense. Right. Well, anybody but Leslie Frazier. Well, why? Oh, well, when he was at his last job, he didn't do very well. Do you want experience or do you not? Because Pete Carroll had experience at uh, New England before he got. With the Jets. Oh, I'm sorry, the Jets. Wait, did he yeah, coach? Yeah. yeah and before he got Seattle. And that didn't stop him from getting a second and a third job. Belichick. Um, Belichick going from Cleveland. So there's great examples of coaches. Uh, Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians, Andy Reid. Andy Reid. Yeah, so there's nothing There's nothing wrong with having failed in one job. You learn something, you figure some things out, you go to the next job. That's the narrative with the white rehire, though. Exactly. But, but, we, but they don't get that same. But you don't get that same. It's like it's, a, it's just a, a total failure if it's a black coach who took his lumps. 
in a job because like you know it was almost like they view it almost like it was charitable and he should have never got the opportunity to begin with whether he earned it or not and I think that's what bothers me about this and I think it's like what people shouldn't be afraid to talk about and if the conversation makes you uncomfortable then maybe you part of the problem from a perception standpoint and I think we're naive to think that some of these ideas that live amongst the fan chatter don't also exist in the front office chatter because I think it affects how they hear their fans talk and their experiences, I think affect how the front offices make these decisions. One of the things that I think gives them out is these, uh, these zoom interviews. I don't like these zoom interviews because they're being able to say, and like the bears, for instance, I've interviewed like 17 front uh 17 coaches because they bring him in on a Zoom, because now the players don't have to, coaches don't have to leave the city right. that, are, that are still coaching their team, and they get on. And it's 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 letting them go, oh, well, we interviewed him. It lets him off the hook. Sure. But you need to bring Byron Leftwich in. You need to go to dinner with him. You need to, he needs to do a white, now he maybe did a whiteboard, but he needs to do a whiteboard, like, nah, this is, my, this is how I get down. This is what my offense is about. This is what I'm about as a leader. I don't think you can get that over a Zoom conversation. No, I mean, that we interviewed, or the Falcons interviewed, be enemy that way, yeah. With the with the Zoom call, um. So, what now? I believe the, this conversation is starting to obviously with with all the firings that are going with Brian Flores, uh, is generating obviously some more heat, if you will, on the NFL uh, hiring practices or lack thereof, uh, with minor, as it relates to minorities. So you know, if 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 the Bears do hire uh, Leftwich, you will have a new fan, and and Rob. Hey, what? You don't want me coming on? No. Why not? Because you don't mean it. I mean it. You're only here for race. Me. You're only coming to us for race. <laughs> race monger. <laughs> I, I, hey, I'm just be rooting for. Hey, he was. A, wait a minute. He was a former Atlanta Falcon quarterback. Yeah, golly, he was for like at the end of his career. Yeah. 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 No, nah, listen, man. Listen, come one, come all. We take all of. We take all of. We till, listen. Till he get we would take all the support we can get okay, out of but, Chicago. But this is what I was thinking though about this to expand this a little bit. We 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 hit on this a little bit with the uh, the wives uh, episode. You know, yeah. All of these guys that are looking for opportunity. Look at Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders was nowhere near about about to get a job in the NFL. I'm not sure he even wanted one. Not sure. But he's a but now the light is on him. Yes. So so these guys that are that if you have prior NFL playing experience or you know you're you're interested in coaching, these 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 nil deals and the yeah. ability to go out and recruit the the thing that the FBS programs have had over FCS programs has been the resources. Yep. And that nil deal has now it hadn't closed the gap, but it is surely uh, it put it put some people in the game. Exactly. So you look at a guy like Travis Hunter, you know, and they're saying he didn't, you know, he has to wait to sign that deal with Barstools until he graduates. Right. That's the thing that you couldn't even remotely come close to offering. And you look at Deion Sanders is doing all of this stuff at Mississippi. Yeah. Of all places in Mississippi. I think that if, if so, if you're looking for an opportunity and I'm not saying I'm not telling the enemy to go. You know, obviously, you know, he'll probably get his opportunity at the at the highest level at some point. Some point. Yeah. But some of you, some of these other guys that are coaching running backs that probably could coach a, uh, you know, a college football program. Now you have an, because what's going to happen is Deion Sanders. And I, I forgot. I forget. I believe it's the seventy second class in the nation. If you're able to do that, 
the TV contracts and the it's TV, coming. It, it will come and yeah. the money will come. Yeah. So if you're looking for an opportunity, you particularly know, a skill like a quarterback, running back, you get a guy like I mean, we saw it with McNair. If you go sure. back with McNair, they were playing. Alcorn was playing Prairie at what View. was effectively mm-hmm. – uh, was he playing at Alcorn or Prairie he played, he played at Alcorn State, but the game was against Prairie View with the one that they showed on ESPN. Exactly. That's right. Man, great man, great catch. But they were playing at a, a field that looked like oh, like a youth league field. Yeah, it, didn't even like, look like a, it didn't even look like a high school. It was yeah. like Texas it, Stadium, it was, the high school stadium. Yeah. Yes, T.C. Williams all the way. Yeah. Herman Boone. Um, Herman Boone type, <laughs> type, type stuff. But they had them cameras down there. Yeah, and and, and they will come. So, and I, and yeah. I said this before, if you look at who's not going to watch a game with Ray Lewis on one side coaching and Deion Sanders on the other side coaching. Yes. Now, I know those are two of the more bombastic personalities that are in, that have played the game. But still, you, if you get a guy like a, a Byron Leftwich, I'm saying like a Byron. I'm yeah. not saying go out and get Wesley. I'm saying right. a Wesley Snipes. A Wesley type. Snipes type. Yes. Yeah. If you go out and get – these guys obviously could have been coaching. Right. So, so now their ability to recruit is the is the one thing that you have to be able to do at right. the college level. I'm, I don't know what type of recruiter he is. I'm simply saying that it, when you come in with that NFL experience, yeah. and you're able to get, broker deals for guys and, and get them money and get them resources that they otherwise would not be able to get at a black college, now you can do that. Yeah. I think guys should really take a take a look at you know at, at the uh, at that at the as swag. a real option. And, and, yeah. One hundred percent. And and you so and you know right that. Those contracts can be every bit as big as the ones in the NFL. You look at the one that Mel just signed. That's all TV money, right? So if you can, so it will come. You just yeah. have to just have a little bit of gumption to go out and be like, "Yeah, I'll coach." You know, but I think they got to go now. I don't think you can wait because I I think that this nil oh, thing is gonna is coming. the nil thing is so out of pocket that they're gonna come in and lock it down because of the I I don't care what nobody says because of everything you're saying because of the way. It evens out the playing field. Not, well, it's, not it's even out the playing field, the, the but it closes the gap yeah. 100%. Yeah, and all that money that's coming into the University of Georgia, yes. all that money is coming into Texas A&M, all that money yeah. is coming to Clemson. And the, all, you know, athletes, TV contracts, and if that stuff starts going to, you know, uh, uh, Fisk University, if it starts going yes. to North, uh, Tennessee North Carolina State. A&T, yeah. you know, if it starts going to FAMU, which it can. Yes, it can. You think yeah. about think about what Deion, Deion Sanders has people looking at the games now, not the halftime show. Right. Yeah. Black people show up to you know the HBCU games for the, the dancing and the and, and now the music they're showing yeah. up for what's going on on the field. Yeah. And and, that, and, and that product and that product because one because Deion's two boys were both four star kids, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now you're adding a couple more four and five star kids. Mm-hmm. It don't take a lot of four and five star kids to improve. Exactly. The level of play. I mean, you're signing a big class is what, 25? Yeah. You know, a small class is 16, yeah. you know, 17 guys. So you got five guys that are three, four, that five. Ranked. Yeah. Yeah. What? And he's, you, because you don't even get ranked guys at HBCU. Right. He got a few of them. And yeah. he got the number one guy from his alma mater. Yeah. Well, he didn't sign there, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. He no. Was, uh, uh, Travis Hunter was, was Committed. a heavy lean. Yeah. Uh, FSU, who ended up at a, uh, you know, at HBC in Mississippi. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was a flip. He he was committed. He to was that yeah. He okay. was a he was a uh, uh, signing day flip. Okay, the early signing the period. Yeah, and, and all of that stuff. Yeah. But I mean, you know, he, he threw one of the Georgia hats, and I'm like, yeah, throw it. Yeah, yeah. Get, get hey man, go go to where you know, blaze your own trail. Yeah, and 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 and, and him doing that just really put some fuel behind this whole conversation. But Deion, that's just showing trust, man. Yeah, I, and then we have a lack of trust. Between us and you know some of our you know some of our universities, but yeah. it shows like okay, I put I'm gonna put literally my pro plan career in your hands. Yeah, I I I'm, I'll say this too um, because we we've had in the past uh, 
we've had podcasts devoted to the idea of amateurism and I've never, I don't, I didn't buy the whole amateur athlete amateurism thing. It's business. I, I was looking at uh, uh, Notre Dame, which I'm a big fan of, um, which is obviously a blue blood program, big time program. Um, and I was watching them yesterday. They put out, they have a great content team. So yesterday was first day of winter workouts. And I was telling my wife, I was like, I said, people don't understand what the commitment is to be a college athlete. Because you know what a pro athlete is right now that didn't make the playoffs? You know where he's at? He's on vacation. And he's going to remain there till April at the mandatory minicamp, which is four or five days. And then the OTAs, which isn't mandatory, but mandatory but not mandatory, which comes a little bit after that, right. depending on the team. The college player is in winter workouts. And they ain't optional. Right. That's 6 a.m. runs. That's weightlifting. Go to school. Come out. Their commitment is all year round. They're working right now for some shit they're going to do in September. They have voluntary workouts. If you try to miss one of their voluntary workouts, you're out of, out of a scholarship. Yeah, you're, you're in the doghouse. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're you you you. And if you're at a you're at a you're at a football factory, you're out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. Uh, well, I don't want to speak on this university, but they had something called mat drills in the morning, which is basically like basic training for football players. And if you miss the mat drills, you you could potentially uh, you know, lose your scholarship. Over. Yeah. Um, and that that's something that I, I had a personal uh, knowledge of. Oh, okay. No, and I, I just think, like, we, we love to think of this as, like, the 1950s or 60s or even 70s of, oh, you're getting an education in exchange for playing a couple football games in the fall on Saturday. And it's like, nah, these guys are getting real surgeries. They're having real injuries. They mamas are nervous. You know, you son hurts himself, dislocates his elbow. And we just look at it as fans and go, oh, he'll be back at four to six or whatever. That's somebody's baby. That's somebody's son, 18, 19-year-old kid going under the knife, having surgery for Notre Dame or for Clemson or for Georgia or for Alabama. Not So when you start talking about what's at risk, and getting money in exchange for that, I think it's all in play. Now, we talked about how do you do that. I think – I don't know if nil is the best way, but it's the first step. And it's a start. It's right, a start. To at least getting – being able to have some of the smaller players give them a chance to see, okay, put your creativity, your business creativity – and obviously, Deion Sanders, you know, he's the first one. He's the actually the first coach to sign a player to a nail deal, one of his D tackles. Um, when it when it struck twelve, he already had the deal in place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you look at that and it's a it's it's just an opportunity to 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 get, you know, where you were you didn't really have a seat at the table. I, yeah. Now you have one. Yeah. They gotta close it quick though, because when you hear when you heard that T Boom the T yeah, you just imagine well T Boom's no longer with us. Is, is he still with uh, us? He might be well, hey, well, well, we should have him on dead or alive. Yeah, is this <laughs> hey, somebody is T Boom is uh, T Boom Pickens, is he alive or uh, but but I think he is. But every school got a T Boom Pickens, right? Yes. Texas A and M I think facilitated thirty Texas A and M Texas A and M did yeah. facilitated thirty million dollars worth of nail deals. That's why they have the number one class. Really? They have the number one class. Well, see, I saw on Rivals that uh, A&M did. I'm, I know, A&M. 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 Okay, okay. A&M. They have the number one class, $30 million worth of deals. I don't think... I, I don't think that is That's going to work out. I think when it's all said and done, they should have went to the stipend or some 
you know, level stipend or whatever, freshman this much, this many years in the program. Like, by the time you're a senior, you should be able to pull some decent money out because real money's being generated. They're going to a 12-team playoff not because they want to improve competition. It's not going to improve competition. Shit, we didn't have no good games. Like, I was thinking about this the other day. Actually, me and you were talking about this this morning. If Georgia plays in that four-team tournament without Alabama, it ain't even nothing to talk about. If that if that's Notre Dame or Baylor or or Oklahoma State and Michigan and Cincinnati, that's like watching our practice. Right. You know what I'm saying? Based on what you using Alabama as the gauge, so going to 12 teams ain't finna make it more competitive. That's for money. Sure. Sure. That's to get money. Yeah. That money needs to be redistributed to the guys who are out there laying their bodies online. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you think you think about they have twenty two hours, right, a week. Well, between I believe it's Monday through Friday. It could be Saturday. You have twenty two hours in addition to going to class. You know, th- these are professionals. Yes, because the work doesn't stop. The twenty two legal hours, right, that, that you have with that the coaching staff has with their players, right. But when but everybody knows that the 22 hours is, is not and, and you so and you're expecting me to go to class you're expecting me to you know remain eligible this is this is this is a obviously a minor and at Notre Dame you're not expected to just go to class you're expected to excel in class and lead in class like you're not just there yeah, like that's a real load I would never I was never gonna go to Notre Dame I mean look it is a very difficult place and there's a few of those schools but of those schools, we probably play the highest brand of football. The Northwesterns, right. the Stanford's, the, the Vanderbilt's. Football with the academics. With the academics. So, so what you're saying is you, the kids are there. They, they're required to do the work on the field and off the field. And it's in the, in the weight room. It's in the 6 a.m. runs. It's all that Film stuff. Film study, all of Film study yeah. and all that. And, and knowing that you're doing it not just because you got to keep your scholarship. Because there's another apply. guy – there's another guy that wants your 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 position, yeah. so it's it's the natural competitiveness, and then it's like I gotta survive here because I'm eating, you know, I'm working for my food. Like I'm part of the program. This is how I eat, They're you know. Majoring in football, one hundred percent. This is a great conversation. I want to come back to this when because right now none of these jobs: Minnesota, Chicago, Jacksonville, Miami, Houston. None of these jobs are filled yet. We will see when the playoffs end and all that left with all these guys where they end up. Some of these guys will get in, some won't. But I want to bring light. I think the idea of us having this conversation is to bring light in terms of, and I bring, I think in, to bring intelligent discourse to how black people feel about this. Because I think sometimes it makes white people feel uncomfortable when we talk about the opportunities that we want black coaches to have. And it's not necessarily at the expense of white coaching candidates or it's not that we don't want the best but if you got the number two offense don't start changing the rules up and go well the number two offense wasn't really because of you it was because of Arians but then you turn around and give Joe Judge a job who didn't have anybody's offense he didn't have anybody's anything and then he failed miserably and you act like it never happened I think that's the thing that gets under our skin so we'll come back to this when some of these uh, jobs get filled and uh, some of the other things uh, play out. We were going to get into the NFL, but we're running a little long. Um, so we we'll, did a little bit. Yeah. So so yeah. But I'm saying the the the, uh, yeah, the playoff the matchups. Cowboys and the yeah. Ridiculousness. The, yeah. So we'll we'll come back to all of that. I think they have and, Alabama. They're just I'm just they act like they're supposed to win. 
listen, I, I think they, they, act like they, they be like flabbergasted that they lose. Like, what, why, why y'all ain't made the playoffs in the past two years? Now y'all of oh, 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 oh. I don't think I. It's funny. I as a, I hear the they be, they be I hear the noise you see from fans. I mean, they're fans. I think every fan base wants to win. I think they all the noise. Totally surprised. I think all the noise comes from I the people who the hate time. the Cowboys. You I think lose all the time. See, I I identify a little bit different because it's the same thing happens in Notre Dame. People hate Notre Dame. Oh. Don't even know why. Oh. Well, like, Jerry Jones, this is the worst loss in the history. What are you talking about? <laughs> Y'all lose all the time. Like all the, they've only made the playoffs eleven times since '96. Shit, that's more than my team. But I'm saying like, that was the last. That, that was that was with. Jerry Jones's players. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson's players. Yeah. Like since 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 Jerry Jones has had the final say, they ain't done nothing. They ain't done nothing. They be, they be legit acting like like Alabama when they lose they lost they like man we expect we expect to win the national championship yeah expect, they be like y'all like like they but you but, to win the Super but, Bowl but you but you know what's funny though if. but you know what's funny they though about that be nowhere near the Super Bowl but you know what's funny about Ever. that though before Alabama got Nick Saban, they fans still acted like that. Not like how they do now. Though. Of course now. Of course not. They got yeah. eight of them things or seven yeah, of them things or whatever. Things. But before like, that, they were still a, like, this, this you two know this. When, this when, season the, is a failure. When they, had the, when they had the Mike Shulas and the people like that, they were literally still acting like Bear Bryant was going to come out that tunnel and lead them to victory. <laughs> um, anyways, we're going to sign out right there. Um, like always, like I always say, but even more importantly now, because we're really building something, I want to thank everybody. we seeing a lot of love, getting a lot of love out here. Keep subscribing, keep liking, keep hitting the notification. Tell your friends, tell your mama to do it, tell your daddy to do it. Hit us up on uh, our Twitter. Hit us up on our tech. Check our TikTok. Look for us in the metaverse. We definitely, we are definitely going to the metaverse, and we're gonna be fly up in there too. Um, but no, nah, check us where stat lines matter everywhere: TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify to hear the audio of this, or YouTube to uh, watch us uh, live and in color. So listen, we thank you guys for checking in. Uh, Thank you for always being supportive. Um, My name is Mark E. Stewart. My partner, Rob Hunter. We are Stat Lines Matter. Peace. I ain't gonna for games. Say it to my face. Say it to my... Say it to my face. I ain't gonna for games. Say it to my face. Say it to my... Say it to my face.